from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. It's December 28th, 2018, and it is The Relevant Podcast. It's our year-end best of edition. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studio on the ones and twos, our illustrious engineer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. Why do you get the longest intro? I know. On the Skype line <laughs> from, from the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And a special guest joining the trio. He comes in, he comes through this episode uh, every the last few years. Yeah. Uh, my son, Cohen Strang. Hi. Uh, he's, uh, he's obviously on school break, so yeah. he gets the fun-filled day of sitting at dad's office. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, he gets to sit on, sit in on literally the best episode of the year. This is pure highlights. This is the highlight reel. Cohen, this is probably a thrill for you like I couldn't imagine. What are you feeling <laughs> stepping into the best of episode 2018? Excited. Excited. Oh, there you go. Um, what's your What's your favorite thing that happened in 2018? Not just on our podcast, but like, what's your favorite thing that happened in 2018? Um, living in, in a construction site. Oh, really? That was your favorite? That was <laughs> yes. horrible. That was a horrible experience. With no floors. No floors, no ceiling, no walls some days. It was awful. It's like a fort. It's like when I was a kid, we used to build forts, and there was like exposed nails. It could collapse yeah. at any moment. You yeah. know, the, yeah. the structural <laughs> integrity of the trees we chose were always very poor, mostly rotted we, and sickly. That's rotted and sickly is how I would describe the home we lived in most of the year. Uh, rats were falling through the ceiling at various times. Yeah, it was. Wasn't there like a family of frogs? And there was in a the family ceiling? of frogs living in a cabinet that what? we discovered. Yeah. Let me ask you this about the family of. frogs. <laughs> I got a question before we move on. We, we're already in the ditch, and you know I feel like what a better way to end the year than right off the ditch, right off the bat. But the family of frogs, <laughs> did you mercifully relocate them, or were they like exterminated? So I don't know, because uh, the, the, the team that came in to clean the home is who discovered the family of frogs and yeah. told us about them. So I don't know. I don't know what happened to them. I'll assume the worst. <laughs> you should. <laughs> but now our, our home is pretty much put back together. So it's great. So that's that's probably my favorite thing of 2018 is that now we have floors and walls. Yeah. Well, we have a great show. Uh, it literally is the best stuff that happened this year. If you haven't heard our previous best of episodes, we, we bring you just small clips and highlights of some of the great conversations, uh, the band performances, and uh, just kind of reminisce on a very memorable uh, 52 weeks yeah. of podcasting. Yeah. This was, can I say real quick too, this was the hardest year to choose. Like I felt like there was a, there were so many great moments, so many great, great guests. And if, and, and you know, I encourage everyone to go back to the feed, listen to the entire year's worth <laughs> and email me. If you said, Hey, you should have added this one. I'm totally cool with that. But this is what I thought were some of the big standouts. Well, I mean, we had some major changes on the show this year. Um, yeah. You know, number one, after our 600th episode, we switched to two a week, yeah. which is big. And not to give away, uh, you know, big plans, but in January, another 
evolution, I'll say, is coming to the show format. And like drum roll throughout the entire show today and into the January show. And that's when it'll have the rim shot. That's when. When we finally reveal the, yeah. the shift. Um, yeah, so it's a, it was a year of uh, trying new things. Obviously, Tyler Huckabee joined us this year as a full-time cast member. Yeah. Uh, we had a couple live events, which is a lot of fun. Our Christmas Spectacular. Um, lot, lots of great things. And like you said, some amazing guests. At the beginning of the year, we talked with VU Church Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr. about how writing his book, Sandcastle Kings, which featured artwork by his good friend Kanye West, uh, led to criticism from fellow Christians who didn't approve of some of his high-profile friendships. Uh, Rich opened up about how the experience led to his latest book, Friend of Sinners, and made him truly understand Jesus's approach to relationships. Here's a clip from that conversation. I wrote a book uh, about two years ago called Sandcastle Kings, and um, I started kind of touring or traveling or talking about that book, and it was just amazing as I was kind of getting an interview like this, just how a lot of the questions would come back to people and maybe some of my friends and people that I do life with or how we do life. and Just a lot of questions, a lot of curiosity around maybe um, what they thought was maybe the appearance of evil or guilty by association. And in all of that, this soundbite kind of kept erupting out of me, which is just, it's not an original soundbite. I don't know where I heard it the first time, but just that people aren't projects, people are people, you know? Yeah. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to be like projects. And so in all that, I just started thinking that I feel like I'm getting asked about this a whole lot. And I feel like Jesus himself was the best at this. He was so good at befriending and doing life with so many different types of people. And he was constantly being criticized and constantly being questioned about why he was there. Who was that person? And ultimately um, it was because he came to befriend all of us that were all sinners. And so for me, it's kind of been I think it's a cool journey to follow up Sandcastle Kings, which is a, a book about building your life on Jesus. This is a book really about God's extravagant love, God's mission to win back humanity, and then our response as believers to mimic and become like Jesus on this earth in the sense of being carriers of the gospel, which would be to be friends of sinners ourselves. Um, I thought of another thing that, um, that I liked in 2018. What's that? Um... I was able to play Fortnite a lot. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's what I thought you were going to say. I was, Cohen, I was able to learn about Fortnite and attempt many of the dances. And so <laughs> it's oh, a good year cute. for me too. I think we both had banner years. Here's the thing about Fortnite is it so consumes a kid. So consumes them. It's all they think about. It's all they want to do. It's all they, they make their <laughs> friendships based on who else plays Fortnite. Yeah. Cohen's friends at school changed this year because he's befriended the boys who play Fortnite. Wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I'll say this. I've been enthralled in a Fortnite legal case. I know we got a lot to get to here and Rich. <laughs> you know, Rich married Kanye and Kim. We're starting off hot. Okay. Right, this is a right. mover and shaker here. Did you guys hear about this Alfonso Rafera, the uh, Carlton? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's suing Fortnite. Right? Yeah. He's suing for Fortnite for stealing a dance. But TMZ released an interview from 2012 where Carlton himself revealed that he stole the dance from Courtney Cox before she was an actress and step on stage in a Bruce Spring music video and did the horrible dance there. The case is blown wide open. What a year. What a way to go out of also, 2018. Uh, backpack, backpack Kid. Yeah. Backpack Kid is stealing yeah. or suing over the floss, but he didn't invent the floss. He no. just was awkward looking and did an internet yeah. video. Yeah. I mean, what like, a year. What a year. And then he did a ton of concerts. 
Yeah, yeah. He toured with um, Katy Perry. Katy Perry. Good for him, man. He was on SNL. Good for him. He Ride already cashed way. in. He already cashed in. He doesn't make need to hay, do Fortnite. Make hay. Why, what is it? Why the sun is shining? Whatever it is, that kid, he knows. Do You got to go get when the getting's good. Because if a backpack kid, you hit the lottery, cash those checks right now, kid. Good for him. <laughs> Thankfully, um... The floss isn't really a big dance anymore. Yeah, it's moved. I see. That's the thing. That's that to Jesse's point. People have moved on. You know, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't have the shine he once had. Well, I'm. I think my least favorite thing about 2018 is Fortnite. So, <laughs> well, I mean, we'll just be in the store and I'll look over and my kid is doing like these spastic dances to another kid. Like he sees another. <laughs> Should it's like, a dance off? It's, it's, it's Fortnite like, has done one. If yeah. Fortnite has done one thing. Like, yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen the stats. Gang violence is is down across right. the country because right. what is happening is it's like the Jets and the what's the other one? The the Sharks or whatever. Yeah, 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 they yeah. meet in the alley and where it would be like a, you know, they'd be picking up chains and switchblades. Now huh. it's the good old fashioned dance off. The off. best crew wins and the other one walks. And now that's their territory. I think it's funny. Like, I'll, I'll watch. Literally, if we see a kid about Cohen's age. Cohen will make eye contact with them and do one of the Fortnite dances to see if the other kid responds in kind. Like, is he in the fold? I don't see why this is a bad thing. I failed. Yeah, I remember when we were, um, I remember when we went Christmas tree shopping. Yeah. And um, on the other side of the aisle, I saw another kid. We both stopped and we stared at each other. And then I um, started to do a Fortnite dance, and then it just turned into a Fortnite dance battle. Yeah, it, this is my life now. So okay, if we're Cameron, not playing when, it, when when I was his age, you yeah. know, I would see another kid, and I throw down a pocket full of pogs, and then <laughs> break out my Ninja Star Slammer and take a few home with me. It's fine. It's fine. They had to ban those from school because it was like gambling. It's way better. Dancing's <laughs> objectively healthier than gambling. I don't see what the problem is. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, 2018 saw Ava DuVernay not only direct Jay-Z's Family Feud featuring Beyonce video, but also an adaptation of the Christian sci-fi novel A Wrinkle in Time, the first $100 million budgeted movie to be directed by a woman of color. Ava, who has also directed movies Selma and 13th, talked about why the film's themes of light and darkness are so important in today's culture. Here's part of our conversation with Ava DuVernay. The book and the movie is about an embrace of hope and the ways in which we do that. The journey that it takes each person, the journey that each person can take to get to a place where you live in a hopeful space. It doesn't mean to be naive and it doesn't mean to uh, turn your back on tragedy. I mean, in this story, the girl is having a, you know, kind of really a tragic family moment with her father having disappeared, not knowing where her loved one is, something that a lot of people experience through death, through incarceration, mm-hmm. uh, different kinds of separation. Um, but through that, she, in, in her quest to find him, it's really her finding herself and a hope within herself, a way to proceed through tragedy with, with joy. Um, you know, I, I think it's really hard to live life in a hopeless space. You know, I'm a student of history, and while this might feel for a dark, like a dark time for many, um, it's not our darkest time. You know what I mean? Uh, there have been there have been times times far darker than this, and so I think it's important to 
uh, you know, while we foreground ourselves in the present moment, we have to do so with a real acknowledgement of the past and how far we've come mm-hmm. and uh, an acknowledgement of hope for the future. You know, and we hear those words, hope for the future. It's something that's said a lot. But when you really break them down, it's that, you know, the, the steps that we take, our forward movement, um, they need to be centered in a sense that there is more to do and there is more available to us. And there's, um, you know, cause for celebration and a promise of possibility. And all of those things are something to smile about and something to be filled with light about. Well, back at our 600th anniversary live show, singer, songwriter, and worship leader John Mark McMillan joined us and performed a cover of U2's classic hit, Pride in the Name of Love, live in front of the studio audience. Uh, if you watch the show, I mean, we live streamed it. I, you can still find it online too. It, it, was, uh, it was awesome. Here is John Mark McMillan doing Pride in the Name of Love. So this is one of my favorite songs from uh, years ago. And I, I ran across it again recently and I read the lyrics and I thought, it sounds like he could have wrote this song today. But this song is called Pride in the Name of Love. It's a U2 song. And... Um, Go back and look at the lyrics if you haven't read them in a while because they're amazing. So anyway. Uh. to say the 600th episode was the highlight of the year for me that was super fun the christmas spectacular was fun too but i had a lot of fun at the 600th episode i'm excited for the next big milestone where where we can where we can do another well, one of these Tessie, can time. i tell you end of the year uh all week i've been working on with our strategy and finance and sales yeah, teams yeah. about about initiatives for 2019 right 
And I just have to tell you, I mean, I'll tell you, um, it's not, it's not, you know, cemented, but in the plans for fall 2019, there is a line that says relevant podcast live campus tour and, and a plan of taking the show to theaters at a handful of, you know, college towns oh. around the country with special guests and, you know, doing the thing and yeah. taking her on the road in the fall semester. I'm telling you, it's on the docket. Big things uh, happen. That's not even the drum roll situation for January. Yeah, I mean, the that's drum like, roll is still rolling. Like I said, the rim shot yeah. won't hit about till 20 minutes into the Jan 4 <laughs> show when we actually remember what we're supposed to be talking about. No, no, no. It's not Jam 4. It's going to be the third week in January. I'm just... Okay, anyway. Yeah, that rim shot is going to come out five episodes from now. So... <laughs> Anyway, hey, 600 was fun. And yeah. uh, we thought, why don't we have a little bit more fun next year? Yeah. So we'll yeah. see what happens. Well, in May, author, speaker, and activist Austin Channing Brown joined us to discuss racial justice, why churches must do better about addressing racism, and her book, I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness, one of the most talked about books of the year. Here's yeah. part of that conversation with Austin Channing Brown. I've worked at a lot of um, churches and ministries, um, and all of them would say that they're Christian, but I don't think all of them would realize that they're also white, mm-hmm. that the leadership is white, um, that the songs they sing are white Christian contemporary songs, um, that the board members are white, that the majority of staff teams are white and that whiteness um, is uplifted um, as the way to be. So in some instances, there's a desire for people of color to be present, but not a desire for people of color to change the culture mm-hmm. of the organization. And, and bumping up against that wall, realizing that um, let's take an easy one that um, worship that there's no interest in adding gospel music that there's no interest in singing in Spanish or Mandarin that there's no right or that right. if there is it is um, on MLK Day or during Hispanic Heritage Month mm-hmm. or right but that there's no desire for integration there's no desire for the worship um, for lack of a better word to evolve um, to include multiple voices Right, that's that's bumping up against a culture that doesn't realize it is white, but is right. Um, and so, so that's what I mean um, to be a black woman who is constantly bumping up against that wall. And I don't know, maybe it's not fair to say that they don't know they're white. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's too generous. I don't know, um, but certainly um, there are very few organizations that would be outright in saying that we recognize this is a culture that we have built. We like it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you could just come like hang out and diversify us in numbers, that would be great. Yeah. Austin Shani Brown, she had a really breakout year. She was someone, you know, obviously this year saw a lot of tension socially over racial issues, especially how the church is interacting with them. And she is on a short list of people who have been making a massive impact in how the church has been thinking about, um, you know, racial tension in America today. It was an honor, obviously, to have her on the show. 
Well, this Easter, John Legend was chosen to play Jesus in a live TV production of Jesus Christ Superstar, a performance that led him to getting a Emmy, which completed his EGOT. Uh, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. Uh, We talked to the former church choir leader about why the message of Jesus still has the ability to change culture and the influence of gospel on modern music. Here's part of our conversation with John Legend. Well, I think it's important for us to, um, because there's so many people that hold him in such high regard, so many people that um, take his words seriously and, and take their faith seriously. I think it's important that we continue to examine his word and not to project uh, what what our own political motivations are onto him, but to actually, you know, pay attention to what he actually said, what he said about the poor, what he said about loving one another and all the things that he, he preached. I think sometimes we lose sight of that. It's interesting because it seems like um, the teachings of Jesus are, are, are kind of having a moment, particularly in music, you know, we've seen, with Kendrick's album and, and Chance's album mm-hmm. and uh, Kanye, and yeah. Kirk, you know, numerous examples. Why do you think that yeah. is? Why do you think it's having a moment now? Well, I think gospel music, particularly in the black church, have been a part of black music culture for so long because, um, I mean, if you just go back and look at Aretha Franklin, she grew up in the church and made gospel albums. If you look at Marvin Gaye, he grew up in the church and, and made songs that talked about his faith and, and, and Jesus and his views on on spirituality. Stevie Wonder has done it. I think all the great artists we grew up listening to, they grew up in the black church. And that tradition doesn't just go away, even though you're making secular music. I think it it stays with you. I'll say this about John Legend. I said it at the time. I went and re-listened yeah. to a lot of these interviews. Yeah. Literally the coolest voice. Oh, yeah. You could tell, you could tell, like, if you didn't have no idea, if you were just cold calling, right? And if right. John Legend just cold called you right away, right. you would know this is arguably the sweetest dude I'm ever going to speak to. Because like, hey, how's it going, man? Yeah, we can talk about Jesus. It's just so cool. Like, John Legend, the coolest guy. And he had some really interesting things to say about faith and culture. Like, he was totally into talking about Jesus. You know, all of his... If you read the magazine piece, he was on the cover of uh, an issue this past year, which... This year, can we say objectively too, Cameron, you've obviously been involved in this uh, for a long time. I think we probably had some of our biggest name covers, you know, maybe in our history in 2018. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It was a banner year for content, man. Yeah, for sure. Well, this year we hosted one of the biggest performances we've had in the relevant studio. And by biggest, we mean numerically about the bodies in the room. <laughs> literally, I wanted to put, I didn't know if I put it in the notes, literally the biggest, like physically, yeah. physically, if you were to combine the mass of bodies, it, yeah. it, I mean, it's like, I would say it's like nine brilliances. You know, somewhere in that range. <laughs> uh, for King and Country and their incredible band, stop by to play songs from their new album, Burn the Ships. Here is for King and Country performing Joy. Oh, 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 oh. Lately, I've been watching 
the mighty moons Don't seem to find the rhythm Just wanna sing the blues Feels like a song that never stops Feels like it's never gonna Gotta get that fire, fire back in my bones Before my hard heart turns into stone So somebody please pass the megaphone I'll shout it on the count of three Chandler, you've had a lot of time to reflect on For King and Country. 
and <laughs> okay. the controversy that they cause on this show. And yeah, I right. feel like I feel like Chandler's most well equipped to answer this question because he's the one who's tinkering with the audio. He doesn't literally yeah. he doesn't just hear it. He <laughs> right. sees it play out in wave files and Pro Tools or whatever he's right. using. And the controversy was these two, Joel and Ethan Smallbone, mm-hmm. is that the other mm-hmm. one? The Smallbone mm-hmm. brothers, the duo who who made, who front for King no, and Joel and Luke. Joel, Joel and Luke. Luke. That's right. Joel and Luke were born in Australia. But right. at a very young age, moved to Nashville, Tennessee. Right, Annie, because in, of her their sister Rebecca, Rebecca St. St. James, James became a big deal in the late nineties. And, and so Annie, who is a Nashvilleian, told us of a conspiracy that they may be slightly embellishing their Australian accents. Chandler, yeah. you have now listened to hours and hours of audio from these yeah. two individuals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you've had well, a year to one, think about this. There was that one video. I think that Annie played us. Remember mm-hmm. where, he, where he slipped into Christopher Walken. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, it was convincing. I, I, I was convinced just off of that. That, that what? They, they might turn it up a little bit in certain. Oh, certain they turn ways. it up. It's not like faked, but they, yeah. you know, they, they yeah. lean into the character. Yeah, yeah. It was arguably one of the biggest controversies of 2018. <laughs> there was the look. There was some stuff with Trump. I can't remember because right. it was, you know. <laughs> It didn't seem like it was even that big a deal yeah, to totally me. Yeah, totally not. Uh, it was mostly fake news. Sad, <laughs> sad fake news from right. the enemy of the people. And then we had this thing. And this is where I invested my time. Uh, you know, my duty uh, as American. Hey, uh, if you want to see those performances, uh, there's a couple of them that they filmed in the studio. They're phenomenal. They're on the relevant YouTube page. You should go check them out. Well, in May, we spoke with speaker, author, and founder of the anti-human trafficking group A21. Christine Kane, about how a series of tragedies led her to rediscover God's capacity to meet us, even when life takes us the most unexpected places. Here is part of our conversation with Christine Kane. There was um, a lot of things. I think, um, you know, what I, I start with is on my 50th birthday, I was having this awesome birthday party, um, you know, with 150 friends on a boat in Southern California. And I kind of got off, you know, had a great night. And then on the way home, I got a text or so that I had, you know, 26 missed calls from my brother mm. um, telling me that my mum had passed away that no. night. And uh, yeah, it was like, and just kind of um, looking at life is just like that best of times and worst of times all at the same time that we just are hit with unexpected things. Um, and I think really what struck me was in the last few years, there's just been so many unexpected changes in society, um, you know, different things that happened to us. I talk about uh, when I was diagnosed with um you know, thyroid cancer with different friends of mine that have been single for 20 years longer than they thought they would, other friends that have gotten divorced, other friends that couldn't conceive children, other friends that lost children, just all the unexpected things that happen. And I think if you were to ask me what the overarching theme is, that although things are unexpected to us, they're not unexpected to God. The pain and the heartache, uh, knowing that God is... Um, consistent that God is sovereign, God is still on the throne, and He will give us grace uh, to go through it. And I also wanted to remind people to expect unexpected favor and blessings from God as well. I just think in a, a world that feels very hopeless and helpless, 
I really wanted to stir up that gift of faith again and say, you know, when I got my, my cancer report, I didn't know whether it was stage one or stage four, whether, you know, I was going to uh, be healed instantly, be right. healed through medicine or die and go to heaven and be healed. I didn't know which one, but in it all, I could have a... Um, a faith-filled attitude that would mean that my condition, my diagnosis or the unexpected event did not need to define me, but still my identity in Christ could define me. And I think I really, really felt stirred to, to fill people with faith again. We'll say this about Christine Kane. The accent is real. That's a real Australian right there. That's true. That is true. She's a, she's a hero, man. I don't know how she does everything she's doing. I mean, she, she speaks literally daily. She preaches daily on Hillsong Network. Uh, she speaks at conferences around the world, it, which means you can't just take that one talk and shop it around, yeah. you know? And like, no, I mean, she's like coming up with new content every day. Uh, she writes amazing books. She heads uh, the women's organization, Propel. Uh, Propel. Uh, they, they do amazing stuff. It's the largest Christian women's organization now. Um, and then she's a founder, she leads the A21. And they're like literally freeing people all, all over the world and setting, turning their lives around and then fighting the bad guys. And then she has a great family. She's a great mom. I, I, I don't know how she does it. I don't know how she does it. She's fascinating to me. She's amazing. Cohen, I got to know real quick, what was, you know, all the lists are happening right now. Cohen, favorite movie that you saw in 2018? Yeah. Not just the most recent one that I saw favorite yesterday. Favorite movie, 2018. It's like we need to see a list of them all. You've seen so many movies. Yeah, that's right. Off the top of your head, what's one that you really liked that you'd, you'd recommend to, for people? I don't remember what came out. Uh, the new uh, Mr. Grinch. Oh, you, Grinch, you saw yesterday. I said no one just picked the one you saw yesterday. Hey, I heard it's good. In fairness, I've heard it's good. We're go- we're going tonight to see uh, uh, Spider Verse. Yeah, Spider Man into the Spider Man. Yeah. I actually that is that you know that is the one of the highest critically acclaimed movies of the year right now. Isn't that crazy? It has like ninety nine percent. Like it, no, it's it, ninety three. It but yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Super it's, high. Yeah, it's one over. I've seen it on on some best of. Cameron, do you have uh, like TV and movies get harder and harder to keep up with in the year? Do you have a favorite or one that was a highlight for you? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go the like the low ball here, the easy one. I gotta go Black Panther. Like I watched it again on Netflix oh, the yeah. other night. Every scene is awesome, and it might legitimately be nominated for Best Picture. Chandler, do you have one? I was trying to think of a movie that I watched, but I definitely saw Black Panther, so I I'll, I'll go with that as well. Well, the next one we're gonna mention, I actually liked, and I I don't know if I put it on my best of, but I thought it was pretty good. It's, you know, I have a little bias because we're close to the source material, Cameron. Well, in May, this American Life host, Ira Glass, returned to the show to talk about uh, a new movie he produced based on a true story that he first told on his radio show. The movie's called Come Sunday, and it tells the true story of Carlton Pearson, a megachurch pastor from Tulsa, who was cast out of his church after he stopped believing in hell. Here's part of our conversation with Ira Glass. Just as a story, it's a great story. It's, it's a very classic sort of Hollywood story of a man who stands up for what he believes in and loses everything. You know, I mean, it's, it's just like a very old school sort of movie. And then it seemed exciting to do the story in a way where the people in his life, the Christians in his life who love him, kind of get equal weight to him. It, like in saying, like, we, we would love to be on your side, but we're not. 
you know, and we're worried for you. And so, I mean, I know I've said this before to your magazine, but like in general, I think the media, the news media, movies, TV, don't do a very good job accurately portraying life as practiced by Christians in this country. And this seemed like a chance to do a story where every character is in the church and every character is a believer and they face a question that they really disagree about and and you see people work it out. Yeah, come Sunday, I thought I thought it was a really great movie this year, especially for people, uh, you know, because it treated both sides, you know, people who were sympathetic to Carlton and people who, you know, took a firm stand against what they saw as heretical teaching. It treated both sides really sympathetically. And I think it's just a fascinating story and a really well executed movie. It had Martin Sheen, Chiwetel Ejiofor, uh, you know, uh, Jason Segel. Uh, that's another one kind of flew under the radar a little bit, but it's on Netflix if people want to check it out. Yeah, it's really good. Well, Lisa Gunger's story is one of faith, doubt, and ultimately hope. After her husband and fellow worship leader, Michael Gunger, embraced atheism for a period, and they had a daughter with special needs, she was forced to confront her own beliefs and lean on God to come through on the other side. She opened up to us about the story in one of the most discussed interviews we featured this year. Here's part of our conversation with Lisa Gunger. I probably hit rock bottom when I was, someone in my family uh, was battling cancer. They were, they were dying. And on, on this level of like very personal family stories, facing crisis in my family and all my whole family praying for him and saying, no, we're just going to believe. And so I get this call one day and my cousin's healed. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, everyone's like rejoicing and and like like saying praise God, praise God, crying, yeah. and yeah. and I'm the person that's like, God, I want to do that. I want to have that feeling because I I didn't want to be that cynical person in the family that is wrestling um, with the questions why. And so I just decided to. It what it felt like in my heart. It, it felt like I tried to just do the blind buy-in again and squash the questions that I had. I'm going to jump back in. I'm back in. And then I got a call. And he had, one of my family members had said, oh, well, he's partially healed. (laughs) I was like, what? What does that mean? And I lost my mind. I mean, I lost my mind. (laughs) I mean, I could laugh about it now, but at the time I was like weeping, you know, and very... In much suffering, you know, much, much suffering that, that I, on this side of it, like I've come to learn like that suffering that I was creating. I mean, I think I was, on one hand, I was really, I was suffering with, with the way I'd been programmed to view mm-hmm. the world. And um, I love the, you know, the Buddhists would say, suffering is what happens when you want what is in front of you to be different than it is. So we really wrestled through it. I mean, it was just the day in and day out. Okay, we love each other and we're in this. It really made me question everything, every my foundation of my life and what do I believe about love? I mean, love is the, this whole story that I've bought into about Jesus Christ. And so what do I believe about this? And for us, yeah, that all led up to, for me, it, the climax of this whole thing was Lucy first. So this little girl is born into the world that our society 
says is broken mm-hmm. and needs to be fixed. And at the same time, I'm feeling that within myself. Like I'm broken, I need to be fixed because I don't believe like I used to believe. So it was kind of this painful, epic, beautiful, wonderful, it's just like these waves of realization. Oh, she's not broken. She's perfect and beautiful and good and and fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and whoa, so am I. There's nothing to fix about me. Even though this whole system that I've come from is telling me there's something wrong with me. This one had a lot of steam it picked up after it was on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, like this went around on Twitter because she was so, for the first time really publicly, she talked about what it was like being a worship leader and being married to someone who was an atheist at the time. Really powerful, transparent story and a fascinating one just because of their the kind of positions they hold in Christian culture. Well, one of our favorite artists of the year, Johnny Swim, came to the Relevant Studio this year. And if you've ever seen them live, you know what you're in for now. Here is Johnny Swim performing We Take the World. We don't need Kings and queens would turn to thieves to find what we've been holding. You and me, we can take the world. Sweethearts give sweet compliments, but our love goes without saying. Though you make it hard not to spill my heart every time those hips go swaying. You and me, we can take the world Cause they can write stories and they can sing songs But they don't make fairy tales sweeter than ours And they they can climb mountains high into the sky Just like love to find us, ain't it? Just like love, ain't it? Just like love to find us, oh, ain't it? Just like love, ain't it? Just like love, ain't it? Just like love, cause I ain't trying to pressure you. Just can't stop thinking about you You ain't even really gotta be my girlfriend I just wanna know your name And maybe sometime we can hook up Hang out, just chill
Take a lot to take me away from you. Ain't nothing that a hundred men or more could ever do. I bless the rains down in Africa. I bless the rains down in Africa. When they came through, we not only did the performances, they we did an interview, and you know they obviously ended up on the cover of uh, one of yeah. our recent issues of the magazine. I definitely want to read it. It's an amazing piece on Johnny Swim. And if you want to see those performances, which you do, head over to Relevant's YouTube channel and check them out. Are are they not two of the most romantic human beings on earth? Like, they just, they seem like they have this crazy, just magnetism towards each other. They, They do. They're an amazing couple. Now, admittedly, we hung out, you know, the rest of the day, that night, whatever. And they are also real people, too with little kids in tow and you know, nagging and mom and, you know, I mean, they're real people. I mean, it's not, yeah. and it's not a persona. It's not, it is absolutely genuine, but you know, you don't want to set people up and be like, well, my life will never be, my relationship will never be like Johnny swim. So, you know, no, I mean, they're real people, but yeah. it is awesome. The connection they have and you can and, definitely see it. Yeah. And I will say this, your relationship will never be like Johnny swims because it is magic. It is pure magic. What's in the water in Waco? I mean, they don't live in Waco anymore, but like they're connected with Chip and Joe, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like it's, what's going on? Exactly. There's something about there. Something, something so quaint. I, <laughs> you know what it is? I think, I think it's something when you peel back an old layer of drywall yeah. and there's just, you know, some untouched shiplap that's been yeah. collecting some sort of mold that's like an aphrodisiac or something. That's yeah. all I can think of. That yeah. shiplap has some sort of aphrodisiac mold. That is the only thing that makes sense. <laughs> well, Ethan Hawke joined us this year as well um, in his movie First Reformed, which was one of the most acclaimed films of 2018. He plays a priest suffering a crisis of faith. We spoke with him about how his faith journey informed his decades spanning career. Here is Ethan Hawke. I was raised a Christian. You know, I was baptized an Episcopalian, confirmed an Episcopalian. My stepfather was Catholic and 
Um, my father has been either a Episcopal or Church of Christ his whole life. And um, so I've been raised in and around a dialogue about faith um, my entire adult life. I mean, anytime I can remember, I've, I've had a lot of very sincere people in my life who were seeking and um, I've always been trying to figure out how to integrate that aspect of my life into my creative life and to balance some, you know, access to that routine and a culture of people caring about ethics and equality um, in uh, in a really safe environment to learn is, is a wonderful way to grow up, you know. Uh, my mother and stepfather taught the you know youth group on Sunday, and you know, it's just a huge part of my life. Um, I don't know what it's like to grow up without it, but um, I know it had a big impact on the way I I see the world. I actually think it gave me a great framework to survive the pitfalls of early celebrity. You know, it, it, it teaches it teaches a fundamental humility. And one of the problems with kind of making it in the movies or making it in the arts anyway is they fan the flames of your ego in such a way that it's really easy for young people to lose a sense of context and, and to have a sense of humility to keep learning and to keep growing. You know, that's one of the fundamental problems. But one of the great things about going to church is you see yourself as a member of a, of a community. And you also see that things like faith is a supple and moving thing because you see lots of adults with different points of view. You know, um, you have a one priest that feels a certain way and a different, uh, different than the way your mother feels, which is different than the way your father feels. And, um, I think I, I grew up with a lot of different, uh, from a lot of people with very supple minds. Um, and it made talking and thinking about why we're born and why we have to die and what we're here to do uh, a more exciting conversation. A lot of people turn off when you talk about religion or God because they think they're about to be preached to, you know, or dictated to, or told they're wrong, or right. told they're lost, or... Um, and they turn off. And my family never really did that. This is one I had a lot of fun re-listening to to kind of pick that clip. And it's cool to hear him talk so fondly about growing up in the church and the teachings of the Bible and how they really have informed his, you know, morals and ethics and beliefs even up to this point. And first reformed, I've seen it at the top of a lot of people's list of the best movies of the year. Well, uh culminating the show, the highlight of the year, number one moment of 2018. It, it was probably the most important cultural moment of the year <laughs> as well. Um, because somehow the good people at Chili's this year heard Chandler <laughs> discuss his undying love for their restaurant chain yeah. and his desire for uh, like an exclusive black card, which doesn't exist. Right. Um, but you know, the black card, it all started with Corey Asbury getting a Chick-fil-A black yeah. card. And then Chandler was like, I'd love a Chili's black card. And it just took on a life of its own. Yeah, that's That's right. Corey Asbury before the interview even started, started big time in me with talk yeah. of his, his Chick-fil-A black card <laughs> that right. he has finagled his way into. We, the black card came up and, and you know, 
I don't know how the Chili's people heard it, but they did. Yeah. And then, oh, I mean, it took on life its own on Twitter. Uh, uh, and, and then... I'm pretty sure it's through t- Twitter. Yeah, a, a few, they probably listened. You know, and then a few weeks later, a mysterious box showed up at Chandler's doorstep. And we decided to have a live unboxing here in the studio <laughs> that changed Chandler's life I love that this is the forever. <laughs> here is the Chili's box unboxing. Chandler, talk us through step-by-step right, what you're doing to unbox uh, the Chili's box. We're cutting the tape, breaking the seal. This is amazing. Okay, now I do want to say this box, while large, has a chili sticker on it. It's not a Chili's printed box. So this is a one of one. This is not a thing oh. that they do. But still, oh, okay. Okay. but still, someone still. went to the time to make sure the box was had branding on it. Is it well centered, Cameron? Is it like professionally yeah. put on there? No, somebody d- assembled they, this box they, they with love. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. There are two chili stickers on it, uh, you know, but it's a generic white box. So again, this is not a thing that they have in stock. I mean, this is something they created. Custom this. made amazing. for Chandler. All right, All right. here we go. Open it up. Okay. All right. We got confetti. Oh, here we go. Ooh, a lot of black confetti. We have another box. There's a confetti. Black. There's okay, a so so there's hold, on, hold, on, hold on. Slow down. Hold on. There's confetti and there's a box within a box. A box within a box. A black. Is there anything else besides the black confetti? Hold on. It is black <laughs> confetti and a black box, smaller box with a big chili sticker on it. Okay. Okay. So. He's his fingers are trembling. Literally, he's. Yeah. You can tell he's nervous with excitement. A little it's, nervous. It's, uh, it's a, big, it's a big... What does this say? <gasps> All right. Okay, there's a letter. There's a letter? Read it out loud. Is it Read from it Roger Choi? Right. Oh, hey, Chandler. Back in July, we heard you tell the world how much you absolutely love chilies. Hold on. Chandler's crying right now, guys. This is... <laughs> so, wanted to personally reach out and show you some chili... Hashtag chilies love. <laughs> now, I know what you're thinking. It's definitely September, but here's the deal. We don't have a chilies black card. Right. But Whoa, we were pause so there. darn we don't moved have a Chili's black card for your love for us that we created a custom one of a kind Chili's card with seven hundred and fifty dollars <gasps> to take care of all of your Chili's wants and dreams. <laughs> That's enough to treat yourself to our three for one deal once a week for a year or ball out with friends. Ball out with friends. And there is a gorgeous looking. It's it's pretty heavy. Platinum. It's like it's like it a, is like a metal. Card. Chandler, what is oh describe the card because I can't see it, it oh, is, from the camera. It is here. red. It's metal. It's like that. It's, not, super, it's not metal, but it's like oh, heavy. It, it heavy looks duty amazing. Plastic. Yeah, it's like wow. that. It's like that high end Amex Platinum card. All right. Yeah. It, it yeah well, you around, pass it to someone who can come bring it closer to us to the camera. So, yeah, so, Chan- yeah. so Chandler, pass that over to the camera they, so they, they can see it. <laughs> so Chandler, they, they, they did, <laughs> as a matter of fact, not have they. They li- it sounds like they listened to the pod. We heard you, yeah. you know, talk about the black card. They right. custom fabricated one and yeah. loaded it with Which nearly a thousand dollars. With a, with, with, their intention was to give you a year's worth of chilies. Man, yeah. I feel blessed. That this is, is like a- Seinfeld situation all over again. Like you create, like you, you, you saw a void in the universe, and chilies knew they had to yeah. fill it. How do you this feel, Chandler? Tell us some of your yeah, feelings. What's the feelings right now? I, it feels like Christmas, like after you open the presents, and that's awesome. That's you know what I mean? Cool. That's an awesome oh, looking wow. card. That is I mean, that it's card like, is it's like awesome. A red, and it's really pretty, thick. Wow! Yeah. Just tweet like that thing. You t- take a picture and tweet that thing, and make sure there's not like a number on it, like a yeah, credit I card. So there's no one's taking a chili box. That's beautiful card, Chandler. I got a question. After you use the seven hundred fifty dollars, which they claim will last seven hundred fifty dollars, will last you a year. I predict you're not going to blow it all. That is not your personality. 
by Thanksgiving. Um, but <laughs> will you keep the card in your wallet just to just to flash occasionally? Forever. Absolutely. I'll but probably just reload it. Yeah, knowing reload how frugal, it for sure. This is for real. Knowing how frugal my brother is. Like, it'll, I don't think he's been working time. here for a few years. I don't think he's actually spent any of the money he's earned here. I mean, like, literally, <laughs> like, he is that frugal. I think that $750 will last him a good seven to 10 years. Pro- that's, like, that's reasonable. I'll say, it's a little behind the curtain. Let me give it a little behind the curtain. Literally, I picked these and no one approved it. And I was like, we're ending, we're ending the best of show with the Chili's unboxing because you can look back. We have Oscar winners on the show. We got an EGOT winner. We have breakout performances from incredible artists. You know, we have world changers. We have activists, but I think we had to really. You know, go down on top with the chilies unboxing. This is the first time I'm pretty sure either of you guys have even looked at this rundown. Yeah. Did I make the right call? Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's the number one cultural moment of the year. Yeah. Well, we're talking about the impact of the podcast that we've yeah. created. Yeah, yeah, there you and, go. Yeah. And it, and it going out into That's the, the only real time world. It's ever happened. In, yeah, anywhere. It going know? from a podcast joke to a real world thing. <laughs> it's a rare occurrence. We yeah, got it. That was wild. Acknowledge it. There you go. Well, that's uh, the highlights of 2018. Obviously, a lot more happened. And like Jesse said, go back and listen to all 100 episodes. Uh, you uh, n- Don't, actually. That's yeah, too no, much time. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, no, hey, if you're bored over the holidays, why not? Why not? Make your own, edit your own best of show for a week here. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, hey, I just want to say to everybody listening, thank you for sticking it out with us all the way to the end of this show. And thank you for listening all year long. Uh, It's been a fun year doing this. I say this every year, but uh, doing this podcast is the highlight of our week. We obviously do a lot more. We do web content every day, other podcasts. We do a magazine. And uh, when we come, when it comes time to come in and record this thing, we have just so much fun uh, doing the listener of the week this year and get to know some of you. And obviously all the Twitter interactions at relevant podcast um, is so fun for us. So we just really appreciate it. Thanks for the support. Thanks for talking about the show. Thanks for those of you who have gone on to the relevant store and bought the, the podcast swag and sent us pictures of it and stuff. It's so funny seeing all this. You guys are the best. Uh, it's a blast. We really do have some fun new things launching in early 2019, and we really are trying to go on the road in the fall. So come see you in person. Uh, it'd be a lot of fun. So anyway, on behalf of, uh, or for, for I guess, Eddie, we'll throw Eddie in the yeah, mix. For Eddie, yeah. Big Cat Coffolds, Annie F. Downs, Tyler Huckabee. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Cohen Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. We will see you next year. listening to the relevant podcast if you like what you heard be sure to leave us a review on itunes check out other shows from the relevant podcast network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. and while you're there browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store make sure to subscribe to relevant magazine info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe Don't put me in a box, Brooke Baldwin.
Hey guys, let me tell you about getting an IV jammed in your arm. I have well, I have a slogan in my house. Kick it down the garbage hole. That's because I am wearing a mask. I'm Batman. I will bring six more hot topics to this state. We're trying to get them to come to our church to pass apples with their neck. I have malaria pills and sweet dreams every night. Real horrific, vivid ones. It's called the Bachelor. I I, I think it's I think it's European. Oh, really? Vegetables? You got a fave? And now Andrew Peterson and the problematic choir. A lot of people don't know this, but if you jump kick somebody, it's legally not assault. I am now officiating your wedding between you and your boss. Call his dad. Perry, do you have a tongue? Something set off the motion detectors. Guess what? It's a deer every time. One of us may or may not have the dead body of an elephant on our hands. And then, yeah, all of a sudden the red hat came out and so did dip a dip doo dip poop. If I have the intent of loitering, I'm loitering. What you're doing, it's 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 a it's called pickling the insides. And slap the top of LeBron's head as hard as he can in an effort to rub off his hair plugs. The career of Keanu Reeves is really underrated. Hi, my name's Ulysses Percy's Sebastian. They've done nothing to age him down. It's just Kevin Sorbo playing a 17-year-old. McDonald's, the Florida babysitter. Then all she hears is, ah! Like, what? Well, I just got my pleasure. What do I do here? I, I don't believe in your quote-unquote biology. You just punched Kevin Sorbo in the stomach for no apparent reason. Russian spies just watch my face as I return four emails. Oh, no. I've made a gigantic mistake here. I use Couple Skate as a cooldown because I've been out there dominating a game of red light, green light. There's a new bandana in town now. I've invested a lot on the NASCAR index and I'm waiting to see my money. I have no idea where it is right now. Raise a child up in the art of clowning, as the good book says, and they shall not flee from you. Suspend your disbelief and believe in the power of magic. <laughs> What also works if you swing around your Oathkeeper sword. Let me tell you about Jesus. Call us and tell us what crime you want to get off your chest. One of the richest men in the world, Dr. Roger Chili. I'm badly injured here. Stop the ballet. Ah! You don't know mushrooms go on plogs? All of a sudden, blow darts. That's that guy in a wheel suit that's coming at us at, at 70 miles. Yeah. So listen, I was at Craig Groeschel's kids baseball game. Just stick with me here. Something really powerful happened. Live from 700 feet below Branson. Just go punch that ballistic dummy as hard as you can right in the stomach. But like, ah, boom. Hello, Batman. I'm just going for a run. In my mind, I'm picturing a chicken wearing a diaper. Is that pretty accurate? You drive through the toll booth coming over the bridge here, and they jail you. We have disturbing news this evening from the moon base. One of our Soviet colleagues has found to have peed in the pool. Cover story, The Naughty List, 2018. <laughs> I don't know what kind of debauchery I might be in for, but I'm hanging out with Lord Scrat, the air guitar guy. Mom, what's a hecky?
My place in this world. Place in this. Sorry. Ugh. How many people can in your family can you poison? The winner gets two pizzas. And they're a very litigious family and will slap you with a restraining order so fast your head will spin. You want the cod, Bod? You gotta eat the cod. You eat how many gummy worms a week? Shut up, judgy doctor. Was it a time of my life figuring out what a Molotov cocktail was? You betcha. Carson Wentz one night was lying asleep in bed and just popped up and went, The Kingdom Crumb! Like the time I found out I was twin brothers with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. When I have the opportunity to eat an endangered animal, I always do it. Because you don't know how long you're going to be able to try it. You see my fin, it's bent over, which means I'm sad. <laughs> tillicum, tillicum, tillicum. It's as if him and Jesus are the most uncomfortable Siamese twins ever. Gotta be honest with you guys, I'm not even entirely sure how postage works. <laughs> if the world's fattest bear had something to do with the White House haunting, you could bring it. Did I, did I catch a small, small bone in there? Little do they know, there's a whole Boston Market meal under there. I want to mount Rush less, and it's with people who've accomplished very little in their lives. You know what's funny? As I heard, this room was built on the cemetery of an old jazz band. You scoundrels! Ugh, what is this? Oh, 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 oh. I think it is three notes of one stinky chord. Last Wednesday, you played with my heart.